The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And this is Max George. And we have two very special guests today, and I will let them introduce themselves. Uh, Who wants to go first? My name is Emily McGinnis. I am a creator and the writer slash producer slash all the things no one wants to be for the upcoming graphic novel, The Zombie Game. And uh, my name is Dan Bridges, and I am a co-writer and a screenwriter, and this is kind of where it all came into play, uh, of the zombie game. We are beyond excited to have both of you. You guys, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) We did some very intense research on you, you know, the Facebook stalking and all of that, and I am just smitten to have both of you, so... I think you might have gotten the wrong name or something. Ah, it's, it's, it's spelled D-A-N. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so do you guys mind telling us who you are? Like, why would we have you on this podcast? Well, that's a very excellent question. This is, this is more of a question for you and your sanity. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, no, we're, we, um, we created this really, really cool graphic novel, which we've talked, said the name, The Zombie Game. And it's, uh, the art is almost completed it's a very interesting take on zombies and especially right now it's and what oh i'm supposed i'm now i'm supposed to read something it's the the log line is college students attend an end of the year party only to find themselves hunted by the rich in a live action zombie apocalypse video game and i i make him say the log line so that people actually figure out what we're writing yeah and why and why we're on this podcast whatsoever but yeah, it's, and we have this absolutely, I think one of the, the, the most important things is that we're, we're really proud of the art and it's really incredibly beautiful and we're really uh, excited to get it out there and for people to take a look at it. We found this absolutely amazing artist, uh, his name's Pablo, he's out of Argentina and he, I don't know if you saw any of the, the stuff on Instagram, but um, he he paints, and as opposed to like a lot of um, independent graphic novels, it's there's just a tone uh-huh. that he comes up with, and an ambiance, and this air, and he he frames. He's kind of like a cinematographer in that way, when the way he paints, and his angles are just unique, and it's just fascinating. I'm just very excited to. To get it out there and for people to see. And you guys were so gracious enough to let us kind of preview that first chapter. And that's the first thing that really kind of moved me with the zombie game was the artistic style of it. And we would, we want to dissect that a little bit more as we get into the nitty gritty of that first chapter. We were, um, we were actually really nervous about it, to, to be honest, at first. A whole lot of people haven't seen it, so you guys are one of the first. Oh yeah! yeah oh yeah. my gosh! Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah, but but for on the art side, we were we he, when he submitted, it was just so uniquely different. 
Because we were definitely trying to look for a traditional, maybe like black and white artist. And he he really just figured out how to do light and some really kick-ass zombies. Yeah, for sure. Was, so he came up with this, these, this just unique look that we, I'm just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at uh, his abilities. So I'm just, I'm really excited about it. And thank you for taking a look at chapter one. I'm very excited. I'm We're glad it's that. in English and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's table that just real briefly. I want to know how you guys got into horror because it's clear that you have a deep passion for it, even in that first chapter. So how did it all start? Where did those nightmares begin? Yeah, we, we definitely have like completely opposite approaches. I started getting into horror after I watched The Ring <laughs> and uh, of all movies, the and not the Japanese original, the un, uh, fortunate or unfortunate remake. Um, and there's there's a long story behind that, but I think uh, one movie we can definitely both agree on is the original Night of the Living Dead yeah. by Romero. And that sounds kind of like cliche I think at this point for a lot of like horror movie fans but it really is like it's where both of us came together on zombies and like how they're portrayed and what we love about the genre well and I don't think it's a a coincidence that people are are drawn to that film it's just so well constructed it's such powerful storytelling you know they did so much with such a a tiny budget and it's it you know it, it stands out uh, as an iconic film for a, a good reason. There's a great reason why everyone always goes back and, and watches it. You know, every horror fan has to pick up that older movie because it's it's so good. So yeah, I definitely makes sense to me that that you guys would be drawn to that. You know, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of the great stuff just kind of hits in, like a theme or a tone or a uniqueness of society and like kind of like what we're going to talk about with Train to Busan, but there's just something incredibly powerful about that one and it's scary it's still scary scary you know with some of the other stuff looks a little funky or a little this or a little that but you know uh i still get scared when i watch it how i got into horror is a little bit different very different very different (laughs) Uh, after i got out of the army i started to read like um anne rice and I got really into vampires and really into like uh, the masquerade for a while. So there was no cosplay. Don't worry. They, I, it's kind of weird. I love vampires so much. And then, unfortunately, the whole thing with vampires became very, you know, flittery and, and sparkly. Sparkly. Um, that's a good word for it. <laughs> uh, and so I, I started turning into, you know, going into different directions. I just fell in love with zombies. It's in after 28 days later and the, and the shift there. And... and I really, I hated horror movies up to a certain point. And that was really because they, they actually scared me. Like they scared me for real. Like I, as a kid, I really thought those things were for real. Like even up into probably like. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> so mean. Girls can hang with horror. Don't be like that. <laughs> no, like some of those classic movies, like The Stuff and uh, Scream, like those those things. Like I, I thought they were real. Like I thought as a teenager, like other teenagers were gonna kill me. Like I thought that was that was actually a thing. And there like, was a plan. There was. It, it seemed devious enough and like realistic enough, certainly. And then once I I watched The Ring, 
And I know this is a weird, very weird movie to like. She keeps coming back to the ring. I know. Well, <laughs> it's because it was a mystery story, and it it was the first horror movie that clicked where it was a mystery and it was a puzzle that you had to figure out. And like once you like pierced that veil, you saw that all horror movies were like that. They were all a mystery. They were all like you're trying to figure out the curse or. Like, how to kill the zombie or how to defeat them. And I think ultimately that's why horror movies are so soothing is because you have figured out the mystery once you've watched it once. And you go back to it again and again because you you know the ending and you want to know the ending. You want to know, like, what's going to happen. So for me, that was the the switch that flipped on horror movies and uh i guess the rest is history yeah. since we wrote a whole book about it <laughs> i love that because oftentimes on our podcast we talk about kind of the catharsis that horror movies provide and i think it kind of allows you to be in control of what is bad is going to happen to those people that you watch on the movie so do you guys have one favorite horror movie that comes to mind and then also the scariest horror movie you've ever seen uh, so definitely I think our, or I think our collective fav- favorite horror movie is, is Night of the Living Dead. Like, it is amazing that it is an indie film that somehow tapped into this vein. And if you dive into, like, the background of it and how it was set up, it's just incredible that it came out as it did. And we're kind of movie snobs, I would say. So we really enjoy like seeing how indie film can like change the entire course of of filmmaking and that that was really one of them and it it is an indie film that has like very distinct parts and really has something to say and it kind of is whatever you want it to say scariest movie for me is probably still the stuff i know i know it's (laughs) i know i'm sorry they're gonna stop recording right now oh yeah we're done we're done (laughs) i i think because it it has like a lot of memories for me as a kid and it was a kid like trying to like prevent or like warn his parents and it was such an an innocent thing it was it was you know like it was yogurt it was like being sold it was consumerism it was being sold at that at that time period and and just uh, people were too stupid to like not eat it i guess or <laughs> well it's very zombie-esque you know? yeah like consumerism yeah it is amazing like how many stories kind of like circle back to how dumb we are yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep the real horror yeah exactly <laughs> the exactly real horror right and i there was something very scary i think being a kid where like you you couldn't convince your parents that the threat was real and just just that feeling of like helplessness as a as a child and having to like pretend and hide things from your parents i don't know that one always stuck with me i know it's probably not very scary today yeah well it's pretty scary in how it's made so the, all right so scariest movie i've ever seen by far and it's still like uh, the exorcist i saw that when i was a kid I've seen that. I find that movie absolutely terrifying. Again, like, you know, she, her, the mom does everything that she's supposed to do. She's trying to help Reagan. She's, you know, it's like the girl pees on the floor. Like, 
Like I, I saw it before they actually added that part where she goes backwards down the stairs on her hands and stuff. So like I went back and watched it and then they added that and I freaked out again. <laughs> um, William Friedkin really tapped into something there, I think, because I, I'm a huge demon fanatic. And that movie is just so iconic and really to this day is just terrifying no matter how you watch it. Yeah, my, my favorite story is, is like that... <laughs> She actually broke her coccyx when they threw her to the ground. <laughs> I'm sure you know that, but um, you know they they just fr- they pumped in air conditioning. That room was freezing. Just what they did to make that is authentic and is horrifying. And it's slow. It's like a you know it's a different type of movie. It's a different time, and it it gives you the time to breathe. Kind of like that um, you know mystery story too where you're like trying to figure out what's wrong with her. You're trying to figure out. And it's like, they try everything until it's like, then it's the next step. And yeah, that's both. I think that's both what we really like is that sense of realism. And that's kind of like the more like an actiony story that, that we write because in our, in our book, the zombies are turned by use of a drug and so there's a lot of different ways that we come up with our zombies, and I'm sure we could talk about them all day, but there's something about it being set in realism, and I think that's what Night, Night of the Living Dead does, and what, what The Exorcist does is, yeah. like, that that could actually happen to you. Like, poor Barbara is just out there with her brother, like, in a <laughs> in a cemetery, you yeah, know? Yeah, so that's where you hang out. That is where brother. you hang out. <laughs> It's where some of us hang out, at least. <laughs> so I've, I've I've been going back and forth about my favorite because you know I do like uh, I I do love Night of the Living Dead it's and everything, but I right now I, I'm really like and it's it's my favorite graphic novel too, uh, horror graphic novels, Thirty Days a Night because it went back to like these vampires that are just freaking violent and and just horrifying. It's really bitching. I don't know. I, I I didn't want to see it when it first came out. I was like, eh. And it was one of those times where you watch something later and you're just kind of staring at it. And you're like, wow, this is great. Oh, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this is kind of one of the reasons why um, my favorite horror book uh, is the, um, well, besides uh, House of Leaves, is going to be uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. It's a terrible movie, but the book is amazing. Yeah, I love the book. I wasn't going to write a zombie movie at all. I wasn't going to do anything with zombies or anything like that until I read that book. And it gave me uh, permission, which was cool, to do something different. And that's how I kind of came up with my idea. I hated the movie, but I wanted to give the um, the book the props that it deserves. So uh, we do have some questions for both of you individually, if you don't mind. All right, who are you starting with? Let's go with Emily, ladies first. Um, thank you thank you thank you what are some pros and what are some cons that you experience as an artist in this genre yeah i'm super grateful for like being alive in in the time that i live in because uh quite honestly like women have never had it so good um we have made a, a lot of progress toward equality and being represented you know we're no longer just the final girl we have uh we make our own films we make our own content there are even anthologies from women directors it's a really 
important step forward that films like Let the Right One In has like a female protagonist and uh, we're able to see horror films about STDs and things like that. The the downside is that um, I think a lot of stories that that the horror community still treasures like are still misogynistic and we can say that they're a product of their time or not but those those still exist and they are what they are does horror allow you to kind of zoom in on this a little bit on a deeper level you know the misogyny and and all of that the the thing that sci-fi and um, horror does you know lends itself to is that you can take that kind of thing and, and twist it and manipulate it and tell a story in a specific moment in time and and, and ramp it up um, now that I, that what I think that's what I think the genres are, are willing to do the problem is, is of course the um, now the consumerism of that you have to have buyers for your product if you want to sell it and so there's that that double-edged sword of like you know hey we want to make these types of movies but our people actually want to see those types of movies and are they going to you know but they they do now they do now like that we've gotten hereditary we got midsummer you know we got the babadook like we're not we're not fighting here no (laughs) i'm not i'm not on the side of like the misogynistic you know cinema it is it is profitable and that's exciting yeah and we've talked about that on the podcast as well. Even the Invisible Man, the tension that you feel in the beginning of that movie with that poor woman trying to leave her husband is just incredibly horrific in a very different way. And if if we're ready for like It Follows, like an STD movie, then, you know, we've, we've made quite a big bit of progress in the female horror cinema. For sure. Nathaniel, any other questions for Emily? One thing that you kind of touched on was just, you know, kind of the ways that women are represented in horror and, you know, how, how we've kind of moved away from, you know, strictly having, you know, final girl characters. So I guess to, to you, you know, what are some of the best examples of, you know, characters that, you know, stand out uh, as, as, you know, kind of what we should be looking for going forward? Yeah, I like weirdly um the the little girl and let the right one in um and they they did the american remake i think it was let me in um it it sounds strange that like you would you would pick a little girl as like a role model but within that film they they really let her character just like be what she was like she was an animal, she was a beast, and she was ugly, and she killed people, and it was not sanitized, and it, it was not, like, you know, like, her being tamed was, was not successful, like, she was successful because she, um, because she was what she was, and she was true to herself, and I think there are a lot of false like strong female leads out there where they're just gonna like bolt some boobs on a dude and huh. and call it good. Only in the past couple of years have we actually gotten any films that really show like 
women in a full emotional range, you know, like compassion can be uh, to your advantage. Like, and it's not just all like kicking ass. So, you know, that's, that's why I go back to that. Uh, let the right, uh, let the right one in because like when women are just allowed to be what they are and they're, they're not put into a category, just like, men then i think we've made real progress yeah i think that's a that's a superb point there okay so i guess now we get to turn the the lens over to dan all right dudes got it all right all right we need more dude movies i'm telling you right now there's not enough dude movies and dudes need dudes all right strike three dan Well, you'll be happy to know his uh, his 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 other film oh, called God. Full Moon at the Nudie Bar yeah, is uh, yeah. is just for you dudes in oh, case yeah. you're wondering. Yeah, it's a it's a horror comedy. It's a, I, I, I took my shot at doing. Uh, I started off trying to do like um, like dog soldiers uh, with werewolves, and it turned into a stripper werewolf comedy. So that's pretty much where my head went. Get your beer. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, Dan, you mentioned that you were in the army. Yeah. Um, does being a veteran at all kind of play in any way, shape, or form into your horror creative? Because um, I'm sure you've seen true horror. Well, I, 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 I was never in combat, so I want to preface that. Um, but I, my experience in the military, um, and something I. You probably I don't know if you caught in the in, in the pages that we got uh, that we sent over there first um, Oz my main character is a, is a bat and each person is is flawed or um, wounded in certain different ways each each of the of, of the leads of the of the book and I have a lot of vet friends and I, I work in a veterans uh, with a veterans group called uh, veterans in uh, media and entertainment and um so it's it's very important to me uh but the veteran story uh a lot of times is just like you know uh you know which is american sniper where the vet comes back and he's all messed up and he's a mess and you know he's got he's got a drinking problem and his wife and then he like gets it back and that weird drama and what i i wanted to do is kind of normalize certain things in my writing of where like veterans are just dudes, but with this very odd sensibility. And like, so we all have this weird, you know, uh, hat that we have and we're like, Oh, I'm a this, or I, I did that. And so like veterans can put on that hat. It's like, Oh, it's time for the apocalypse. Put my hat on. Let's go. And because we've dealt with some really crazy stuff. And so both, a lot of my leads or, or somebody is always a vet in in that and there's just such a weird and raunchy and painfully funny sense of humor that veterans have with other vets that I just always love to play with that's awesome and I really like that kind of viewpoint because I do think a lot of war movies and veteran movies are very similar to American Sniper where yeah it's ptsd and it's all of this trauma but they are people still right and and to see that humanity i think is a great point that's the other part about like oz is that you know once in like uh 
later in the book, you know, he's he's kind of quick to be able to just accept the the reality in front of him quite quickly without dealing with the repercussions, and then the repercussions come later. And I think that that's a, an interesting thing with my veteran friends is that, you know, we'll you know we'll just deal with it right now, you know, embrace the suck, and then we'll like drink about it afterwards and worry about it and we'll, you know, whatever it is. And, um, and I really like that or I, I've, that's a very comfortable thing for me to write because I really understand that. So I guess we should probably talk a little bit more about the actual project touched on it in, in a bunch of different ways. So really liked that you had a very uh, interesting and diverse cast of characters who all were bringing something interesting kind of to the equation there. So kind of like what went into like what sort of uh, characters you wanted to involve, things like that. So I wanted to write a, a horror movie with people that aren't in horror movies. Um, and I wanted to make people that... Um, I knew and uh, that were just unique. Uh, that was something very important to me. I didn't want to deal a lot with stereotypes. Um, you know, I, I, I did on purpose kind of create this weird eclectic group that kind of all function at, at a, that kind of become a team. Um, and that was, you know, just really exciting to me to like find those characters and kind of start there and find their flaw or their weakness and then make it a strength. Um, because like, I, I love, I, I have one of my, it's funny, you know, in Train to Busan, uh, the, the father, uh, the guy whose wife's pregnant, I, uh, he he reminded me he he's like he's my Terrence he's my Terrence um you know and I just I I loved that guy I just wanted to make him somebody that uh was already um pained and I also was very interested in in people that society had deemed or used in some ways, like I find that veterans you know, got used up in a lot of ways. Uh, I also found the same similarity to like college football players who like, you know, now they're, they've got CTE and they've been beaten up and abused and, you know, they don't get any, any money from that aspect. Um, and probably who you didn't see in that first chapter was Megan. Cause we have like, they're not even necessarily strong female characters, but they are realistic female characters who, even though they make it, like, one of the characters, Lisa, is basically afraid for, like, three quarters of the entire graphic novel. Yeah. And Megan has schizophrenia, which, yeah. uh, you know, like, both of us have dealt with mental illness in different ways, you know, like, it's inescapable like being a veteran and growing up in rough households and stuff like that. But we wanted to portray it in, in a way that, you know, contributed to the group as a whole. So even though Oz is kind of the leader, like everyone brings something to the table. Well, and I think the art style really kind of played into that. It, it was so warm and vibrant 
that a lot of times for me I was just kind of lost in the in the art of it all and I think there that helped the realism in a sense because this world is so beautiful and dynamic and fluid that I think the art really captured that humanity um it was it was beautiful yeah and like I said before we we really wanted to tell like a a realistic story more than like a fantastic story because I I think you know not to anyone's detriment like a lot of a lot of stories kind of like gloss over why the zombies are occurring yeah because the real story usually ends up being of your humanity and that type of thing but we we wanted to give like more logical reason as to why the zombies were occurring and that led us to like this game yeah format where like these zombies are being created as part of a live action video game that you're playing for other people's benefit so it just allowed us to lay a lot of social commentary on top well, of it. you know and there was i mean it was this was i started at the first bernie sanders explosion so everybody hated the one percent so um you know i was like i wanted to bring that in so that's that's where um your gamers come into play and uh, and just this idea that you know kind of the using of veterans and college football players and stuff and it's just the using of us as fodder for their own games and to play that into an actual story and then like the other thing i i the thing one thing that's very difficult and, and frustrating about zombie movies is like at some point you figure out the zombies and you figure out how to how to beat them or you know like not to give any spoilers on trade new Busan, but like when they go through the tunnel right there's a there's a moment um that you there's like a they have a flaw and i wanted to create a situation where it's always next level danger so it's not just one type of zombie and that was very um exciting to me because it opened up a bunch of possibilities of where it could go and how it could go. And we get to pay homage to a whole bunch of our favorite movies. So yeah, there's yeah. a billion Easter eggs yeah. in there. <laughs> you had this kind of spooky corporation with that beautiful eye. I loved that graphic so very much. It was very Eye of Sauron. But this like video game where you're pitting people against these... It just connected. And I'm not a huge zombie fan by any means. And you guys will probably hate me towards the end of the podcast as I berate Train to Busan. <laughs> Bring it. But this this first chapter has me hooked. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. Well, that's, that, that's the, the hardest thing I think about zombie movies and why a lot of them just kind of suck. Um, and a lot of them are just you know, used for, you know, just to, to bring, you know, money or whatever. Right, because there's already a COVID-19 zombie. Yeah, the slowest zombie apocalypse ever. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think that, like with the girl with all the gifts, when you, when, you, when you do something different, when you have a unique take on something, uh, it's the same old story, but it's completely new. And I, that's what was really exciting, because I, took me a really long time to to break story and to even come up with like the idea because I had given up like trying to figure out a horror situation 
or anything like that because I was just like, that's been done, that's been done, that's been done, that's been done. And it was like, okay. And then I, I, then some puzzle pieces kind of came together and I was like, I actually do like this. Even though it's, uh, it seems like a simple genre to find new things to say when w- within it is actually pretty difficult. No, 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 I, I definitely agree. I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of times we run into, I, I would describe it almost as a zombie fatigue in, in the genre where it's just, and, and this is something that I've definitely encountered because I used to be extremely into zombies. So uh, into zombies. <laughs> oh, so much. Then I, I, I honestly got really burned out. And a lot of that really just came down to it was just the same thing over and over again. You know, and, it, and you know, kind of as you referenced, it's really easy to make a zombie film. It isn't that hard to throw some blood on some actors and just get the camera rolling and just, you know, have people run away. But any good, you know, undertaking of, of a zombie piece, you know, to me, you know, you have to have some other message, some other idea. You know, if you, if you look at Romero, you know, he's making comments about things like consumerism or whatever. Uh, and, and so, you know, like, there, there's always more to a good zombie story than simply, hey, there are zombies. And, and I feel like being able to, to make a, a social comment or, you know, to have a, a deeper idea is, is key to making that work. And, and yeah, so far, uh, I, I feel like you're doing that very well with, with your comics, so. I think that extends past zombies as well. I mean, Dan, you mentioned that you're a lover of vampires, and I think we, we had one set of vampires, and then Satan, bless her, Stephanie Meyer kind of flipped it on its head and made them these sparkly romantic creatures. And then Taika Waititi f- flipped it again, though, and now we have what we do in the shadows, which is a very kind of social commentary about these strange creatures trying to make it day by day, and it's just fascinating to see. Yeah, the, the evolution, I kind of like um, a buddy of mine, he's a director friend, and we kind of had this long talk about what, um, you know, the old school monsters represented and why they were there and what what they connected to, you know, and like the werewolf really was like the, the, the animal within us. And then the problem with that is that humanity is such a freaking nasty creature that we're worse than the wolves you know it's like oh you know he's just eating because he's hungry and this guy's like jeffrey dahmer's like slicing you know people up just for fun so it's like that the more we've evolved as a society and seen what we've seen and and, and, and ingested the the content that we've ingested some of those monsters aren't as scary anymore but what it comes down to like in I know that your your favorite uh, zombie movie, Train to Busan, um, <laughs> that it's really about, you know, the other people on the train, that um, it's the zombies are the problem. They're not they're not the ultimate evil. Agreed. And that's what I, I, I tried to bring to to this um, the graphic novel. But also what I think is very interesting in it is that. Or in the train Busan or, or any like great thing, and it's not just that that's the horror or that's the scariest thing. It's just that you know that's the problem and who we really become and what it shows about us when that horror happens. Absolutely, and I think that's a great segue into the movie because I think you nailed it on the head of what Train to Busan is really about. 
um that again that zombies are a problem it's not the horror though of the movie right well before we jump into train to busan should we just kind of have you guys uh share a little bit of how people are gonna be able to get their hands on the zombie game and you know kind of when roughly to expect that and all of that well i I know i know there's a lot of things up in the air because of the the plague Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah for sure we are uh we're on the last chapter in terms of art for now, you can follow us on Instagram at the Zombie Game. Hopefully, easy easy to figure out. Um, we are hoping to launch sometime next year. Yeah, we're having a really hard time with like uh, conventions because uh, <laughs> those things uh, might not be around, and uh, like you know, comics are kind of not you know. So it's it's a very interesting and weird time in uh, the. The printing aspect of it yeah but we will definitely have like an online presence uh soon in addition to our instagram account of course you know once you have a specific, an official release date and all that you should definitely let us know and we can let our listeners know yeah so. that would be Absolutely. awesome we really appreciate okay it. well so i guess without further ado let's talk train to busan All right, so why did you hate it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the good things first, maybe. Okay. Um, but again, as our listeners know, this podcast, we're probably going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it quite yet, it's on Netflix, readily available. Um, go watch it. And on Amazon. And Amazon. So check it out. Check it out. Brief plot rundown, though. You've got a father and his daughter who are going to Busan to go see the daughter's mother. They are separated, and shit follows. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much a zombie, like an infected person gets on the train with them and then infects the train, and then the entire, like, civilization is like, and they got to get to Busan because Busan is the only place at the end of the line that is still like accepting normal people and you won't get in quarantine and all this other kind of stuff. The father is a hedge fund manager and not a very nice person and very much out for himself. Uh, the daughter is a lovely young girl who sings who songs sing, about Hawaii. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Loves, and wants to do the right thing, help other people. And her dad doesn't like that. And then they meet a cast of characters on the on the train. The the, the baseball players from uh, from the Warriors are on there. It uh, it goes from there. And of course, you know it's it's just all sorts of you know zombie mayhem ensues. Um, but yeah, I guess we you know kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that we really like about the film, and we'll probably kind of fill in a few more plot details along the way. So for me, uh, the first thing I really like is that this is a zombie movie set at the very beginning of the zombie apocalypse, and so we don't have like all these half rotted corpses. Like they're they're really hard to take out, and like I don't I don't really know if we see any zombies actually like killed right. during the film. Like, I like that, that the the solution is simply to move them out of the way, get past them. It has nothing to do with, you know, shooting zombies in the head. That That isn't even a factor in the film, and I like that, because that's usually, like, the first, you know, act realization is, oh, we have to shoot them in the head, and that we, we never got that. That's well, very true. You only see them dead at the very end. 
and you don't know if they're dead. They're just kind of burnt, burnt. in their hand. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part, too, because... There's no solution. You know, they're knocking them in the head and they just keep on coming. Well, and I liked, again, how Nathaniel mentioned that the the zombies were people. They really kept that humanity to them. And it kind of added to the fear that these friends of yours, for the baseball team example, became these creatures and you recognize them. It wasn't like organs were falling out and brains. You couldn't desensitize or dehumanize them at all but i think the like some of the brilliance of that and i know is like the is that it like uh emily put this the best is that they were similar to what you know but they were just off enough to make it horrifying like when that girl stands up at the first time and her head's off to the side and her body's contorted that's one of the things i absolutely loved about the film is the the physicality of the movement it's very different from what we even like like in 28 days later when everybody's running really fast they were they were moving in such a distorted way that it was creepy as hell to me that they were just it was I was so amazed by like the the stunt crew I was like oh my god these guys are awesome like the physicality of those guys were I don't know I, I just that was something that really was uh, phenomenal to watch and in tandem with that I really enjoyed the moments that the zombies were not smart I think that's kind of a trope that I'm getting a little tired of that zombies somehow evolve over time and are able to adapt to the situation. Um, but the scene where the main father closes the door and realizes, oh, if we just close the door, yeah. these guys don't know how to open it. Like, yeah, I thought yeah. it was brilliant because if you are truly rapid like that, it, your logic just goes out the window or out the train door. It definitely leads to a great scene at the end, too, where kind of like your your evil villain is on the last train with them and he has turned zombie and he actually opens the door because he has not quite lost all his humanity and it kind of brings it to a pinnacle because you see him as this villain and he is the COO of a stallion railways or something and he's like the extreme example of what the yeah. the father is supposed to represent. And at the end he actually has a semi-redeeming moment where he is like i'm scared like take me to my mother's house even even as he's turning zombie and so yeah seeing that they can't think but like this one this one guy has like held out and you it it just it makes that concept even better at the end i nicknamed him the putz yeah (laughs) well so i hate him yeah well my mom like we watched it with my my seventy something year old mother, and she's like, "I hate that dude." She goes, "I guess he's pretty good because I really hate him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're the supposed scene, to. The scene with the baseball player and his girlfriend and the putts just infuriated. Yeah, me. I I hate that scene too. And like, well, I mean, go ahead, give her give her the the teenage girl version of that, and then oh. you can you can well. The, the first time I saw the scene, so it's it's toward the end of the film, and they've, they've all made it pretty far, and 
there's two teenagers that are in a love interest together and they they're trying to like cross the train tracks to get onto another train the the bad guy uh is trying to escape the zombies and basically shoves the girl into a zombie in order to escape and uh her reluctant boyfriend realizes that he actually really does love her and sit, like holds her in in his arms until she eats him <laughs> and it was extremely romantic the first time i saw it and then i rewatched it and i'm like this guy is a dumbass yeah I'm, i literally i literally told her i go i'm just telling you right now you get bit i'm doing i'm, I'm out I'm, I'm like i'm like like i'm not even i'm not i might i'm not even say goodbye i'm just leaving i'm just out it's like, like it's just happening right now. It's like I'm chucking you out the window and I'm going. It's like no, don't let's 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 not have that sentimentality. Well, I seem to remember it in my mind. It was more like, oh, don't worry, like I tried to save you, and like I'm going to admit my feelings, and it's it's very you know, uh, Korean drama, like Korean ro- romance. Like there's a lot of tropes in there that they that they used, and somehow in my mind it it was very romantic but not on second watching no no i'm, I'm out i'm out, dude, I'm out. <laughs> yeah i told her i'm like you better run too because it's like come on let's just get in <laughs> just figure this shit out overall i think my favorite part of the movie though was a lot of the cinematography was just stunning the overheads of the train yard um, there were a lot of scenes where they're like peeking out of the bathroom stall on the train and the zombies are just in the background kind of, you know, just being zombies doing their zombie thing. Um, and somehow the creators of this movie really made it novel and different. There's that moment where, uh, you know, the, the pregnant lady's husband is like holding the door and, you know, all right, spoiler again, he, he gets bit and then, you know, he's like, I'm going to hold these off. You get my pregnant wife out of here. And I know that that moment is like has been in so many movies all the time. I've seen that move. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it got me. Like as a dude, I was like, dude, I totally want to be that dude. And <laughs> and he like and he holds on and he's holding and it's like it was just it was unique enough. It was different enough. It was surprising enough. And. It was, you know, it's that same moment, and I get it. I get the chills even now when I think about, you know, Armageddon, and it's my job, you know, with Ben Affleck and all that stuff, and it's it's such a dude moment. But I want to be that dude, and so I really felt for that, and also the that moment and like the the moment when his mom calls, and like that was like, you know, it's just on him, and this horrible thing is happening, and he's just listening to his mom. And it was just really interesting, like some, certain moments that they injected or created a newness and the cinematography and the way they shot things and they were able to move. And it was done well. And there, that was something that I was There were about. a lot of choices in that moment where he calls, his, where he gets the phone call from his mom. You could have cut away. You could have seen her. You could have had some sort of memory that he has of her but they kept it real simple and that was its strength yeah i wish they would have kept it that simple at the end well <laughs> no, no, no no i and this is this is a point where I, I i i was like i i i didn't like that ending it's the boss battle Come yeah on. no no like i i the, the whole thing where he's the like the, the memory thing 
really pissed me off. She liked it. <laughs> it really fucking pissed me off. I was like, man. But I, I, when I'm nitpicking one specific thing, it's like I, I was really, in, really invested in it. I really liked a lot of stuff about it. So I was like, I'll forgive a few things. And that's, I, I go, all right, cultural. It's more of a cultural thing. Yeah, but like, and, but the right. cinematography made me want to move to Korea, so I think it was pretty successful. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel, I know you really loved the scene with the army at the bottom of the escalators. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I I just really like the the scene where you know, so they're partway there. They're they're expecting to be greeted by the military, but there's just no one there. That you know, this is just that uh, some kind of random stuff that that they've been told to stop at, and so they're like, okay, so. I guess we'll get to the military and we'll be okay. We'll probably be quarantined, but so they're just going down these this escalator and they see the line like line of military and and they um and so they're almost down and then suddenly you know just the the military hears them. They all turn around and they're all zombies and they all start chasing them. And so then they have to like run up the escalators as fast as they can from these zombies. But it's it's just I, I I liked it because it was a moment where you think, oh, they're safe for right now, and then it abruptly is the threat. And so I liked how that scene played out. I, I liked that very brief, you know, kind of kick you in the in the face kind of moment. And I think another one of the best things that this movie does is it, like we mentioned a little bit earlier on, that a lot of the characters are making smart, good choices. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Bar- uh, no barbers. Yeah. But at the same time, the choices that they're making that are bad choices aren't necessarily malicious in their intent. I think a lot of them are done out of self-preservation. Like the putts and the scene where he kind of makes everyone go into the other cart because he's claiming that they're infected. Yeah, it was a dick move, but we all know someone who would do that. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the that's the that's the scariness of it. I think that that's where like the the common of society and and it's like that's the flip on the the father is that he was like just be out for yourself only you know and he's telling his daughter and then it's you know these people are only out for themselves and they're not really willing to help and the fact is is that commentary on their society and what they have deemed important now which is the individual versus like the society or you know family and that was very apparent at that moment and i um you know and that that mob mentality they became the zombies and that's what was really interesting to me and yeah it's 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 a moment that's been done and and, and been done in other places before but but it was um, so weird yeah. to see it wasn't weird it was that like the a lot of we think of like korean cinema as not really being related to like american cinema but that scene is a theme throughout the whole film and you can actually beat for beat right out yeah. the save the cat beats that is a very like westernized way of making cinema and so you get that story beat repeated over and over and over again that like the collective whole is more important than like your selfish aims not like here right now oh, in no COVID nineteen world, <laughs> where I need my goddamn you know chilies because you know God forbid I can't go to chilies and get my blooming onion, and I don't care who dies. 
because I want my damn onion. So now. you are the putz of this podcast now, Dan. Everyone stay safe. Like I, I think there's there's definitely pieces that aren't great, um, but it is uh, a movie that, or it, it, it was surprising to me that I, I got caught up in it. I was surprised that I got n- nervous and scared about certain things. I was surprised by how they did certain moments because they were the same moments, but they were unique enough that they caught me. And that's really hard to do. Even reading subtitles. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the first time we saw this movie, by the way, <laughs> oh, the first time I saw it anyway, it was dubbed in um, Hindi. So... Um, with English subtitles. With, 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 so the girl's voice was horrific. Do not recommend no, that No, no, it's, it's a terrible version. But it really um, takes away from the film, yet I, yet I was still into it. And we've watched it twice uh, over the week. And my father, who's 87 years old, who has moderate to severe dementia, he watched it twice um without moving and he walked he was like you know a lot of people might not like that movie but that was a really good movie (laughs) so it kept him entertained so that's saying something about that film gene bridges thumb up yeah exactly another aspect of the movie that i liked is it it did create a sense of quote-unquote rooting for certain characters the baseball player and his Girlfriend, not girlfriend. Pregnant couple were my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then just the the slow break of innocence of the poor little girl. You wanted to root for him, and you knew that it wasn't going to end well for most of them. Another thing I also really liked, and and it feels very relevant today as well, is is the way that kind of the misinformation uh, is portrayed, and and the fact that you know the the news is is just throwing out whatever kind of half truths half information that they have and so you know kind of like beat by beat they're still operating you know no matter what information they're told they're still working with a very incomplete picture yeah and that feels strangely relevant i don't know why <laughs> I, I have no idea why you would think that at all but it, you know you're absolutely right it's like they don't know what's happening i think that was you know um and it's not just hey oh this is how you kill them and this is how you, it's it, it, it wasn't just you know a, that simple story and that simpleness it was just like what the hell's happening and oh my god run and they can't see so and one of my favorite moments was when the pregnant lady uh like put the paper up it's like they're the it's sight they saw us and she's like Shh. and you're like oh oh okay <laughs> it's like yeah. smart people making smart choices exactly yeah. and, and, <laughs> exactly that's... i mean i ha- i have to say there weren't a lot of uh lady smart choices there are a few but but not a ton we had a we had a good number of barbaras in this film whatever that golden girl moment where she unleashes the monsters in the car on the putts and everything yeah absolutely oh i was cheering for that yeah (laughs) i i i I, we we talked a lot about that moment and it was just like at first i was i was trying to kind of understand it you know i'm like "Ah," and then then I was like, "Oh, I get it now. I understand." Because I really, I really thought I, I started really understanding the theme, and I was like, "Oh, okay." It wasn't just like out of crying or like some sort of like you know. In that moment, it's always some 
some stupid person who's crying or, or, or it's like, and they miss their, you know, they miss whoever it is. And hysterical. They're, they're hysterical. It's not a rational thought. It's not like, it's just, it's literally some sort of, um, you know, hysteria. And it's just like a dumb move. And this one was much more like. She was stone cold. She was like, these people don't fucking deserve this. And, and I, I really liked that because they they flip that and those are those are like things that I you know those moments that we've seen before but they were done in just a unique way and that's why um, that's why it's definitely stood out so were there other moments of the film that you want to kind of bring up as, as the kind of highlights of the film I loved the end where his best uh, memory is his is okay. his child look I don't I I I don't. The 90s, it doesn't, it doesn't like, make any no, sense. No, 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 it doesn't make wait, any. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, it doesn't wait, make no, any no, no. sense. Oh, <laughs> let, let me defend myself. Let me defend, hold on. Because I. <laughs> no, no, This is my favorite thing that's happened in quarantine. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> no, because I, I very, I very clearly resent. I resent the implication that you must have children in order to like fully actualize your life because that is a big theme of the of the film is that like the pregnant lady makes it right because she's the future of the earth or whatever and the kid makes it because she's so pure of heart whatever kids are the best so i very very much resent that that theme within the film however the concept that like as you die you relive like the memory that shut up the memory that makes you human okay no the concept that that you relive the one memory that makes you the most human was very beautiful and it and yes it's kind of romantic but like we can have romantic things in horror movies and still have them be really good plot points and it can it didn't have to be just having a child it could all those other people who turn zombies like had some sort of memory ah ah that is not true i think it just could have been so much better without like the sarah mclaughlin music and the the white fading flashbacks but that's a convention of korean cinema yeah i have to let that one go i i hated that moment (laughs) i hated it Hated, Nathaniel hated, hated. like groaned out loud next yeah. to me. It was wonderful. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, we like laughed hysterically. Yeah, no, it, yeah that it's too. A, it's, a, it's an awful moment. It, it's a terrible you guys moment. Suck. What I hated, she she mentioned it, but I hated that he was having that moment, and I hated that it, the dad had that moment because it didn't look like any of the other zombies had that moment. So that being said, um, I just like hated that. Uh, I really wanted the movie to end. When them just walking into the dark tunnel without the military being on the other side. I just wanted it to end when they walked in. Um, I would have ended it then because it's like open-ended and you don't know what's going to happen. And the daughter seeing the Hawaii song felt a little disjointed as well. Like that was a very intense pressure point in their relationship. And so I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like I would, I would have cut that. I would have cut the, 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 you know, that's a that 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 was um that was him like the that was them uh you know hitting us over the head with you know you have now come full circle from the beginning you are now a good father and you know it's like it's not just that that's how her humanity saves her the the song choice is very weird 
But like the plot point they want to make is that her humanity saves her. But I will I would agree. I would rather just see them walk in the tunnel. And along those lines, to me, I I feel like instead of cutting to him, I don't know, playing with his baby daughter's toes, we if if just instead if he had looked over his shoulder at his daughter as yeah. he's, you know, as his eyes are going white and then he jumps off the train, I would have been totally happy because I would have felt like it was saying the same kind of thing. No romance. I, I, I'm totally on board with that. Bro. To me, it, it killed a lot of the tension uh, in the film because we had this like light, cheery moment. And so, like, of course, nothing dark is going to follow after that. Of course, the military isn't going to shoot them. I don't know. It, it just it, it took the tension out of the room to me. I appreciate the sentiment of the moment, but I don't feel like the way it was shown was the right way to do it. Yeah, that I, I think there were... Personally, I think there were better moments in the film. Can I talk about something that I did not like about the zombies? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) One of my biggest pet peeves in zombie movies, I'm a biologist by trade, is the rate of infection for certain people. It baffles me that some people turn instantly, and then you have other people like the father and the putts who have this weird sense of control over it and can feel it coming on and have these... Moments of humanity. Absolutely. There was this one, the one scene where they were leaving the train station and someone gets bitten and he falls to the floor and he gets right back up and just like sprints after the people. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, it just felt so cliched in terms of zombies after they had done all of this kind of developed world building where the infected girl comes on the train and she's struggling with it. I, I don't know. It just felt like the timing of infection was very variable. And Nathaniel thinks that it may because of where the bite occurred. Like if it was on an extremity, it would take a slower route. I, I don't know. It just was frustrating for me because it felt like another zombie movie. I, I can I can respect that. Ah. Um, <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will respect that. And I, I, I agree with Nathaniel that I think it's where the bite is. And also... Um, usually has something to do with metabolism and uh if your heart rate's up a lot and things like that you know i study a lot of zombies so (laughs) no i love it like that's good to know yeah yeah not biology though no 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 and also it's also uh very variable depending on what will be most interesting for the plot exactly (laughs) yes i think really from the get-go i was really drawn in by just the cinematography and and the pacing and a lot of and just certain aspects of the film that I I was ready to go on the ride mm-hmm. and so like the very end I totally agree the whole my wife I totally disagree with her completely 100% <laughs> like I hated that those two moments I hated them I thought it really hurt I really think it hurts the film uh uh but I would still recommend it to anybody who actually likes zombie movies because of I think that there's so many good parts to it that they definitely outweigh some of the the the, the I don't want to say mistakes because that's a harsh thing to say, but liberties for for expediency or whatnot that filmmakers sometimes have to take. Yeah, there is a certain ratio. I think your brain can withstand of like time warps or logic warps because that's the best part about 
uh, ingesting entertainment, like whether it's a film or a comic book, like we want to suspend our disbelief. It's an inherent thing that's not, you know, currently completely believable in our world. And really good storytellers allow us to immerse ourselves in that world. Um, I have one more part that I just have to say that I found incredibly cheesy. Don't hate me. Yeah, no. The scene where the father of the pregnant wife, the main character father figure, and then the baseball player all teamed up and wrapped the duct tape around their arms and like had the shield and the baton and had this weird like Mortal Kombat scene. Like it just depowered the zombies so much for me that these three guys with duct tape on their hands could make it from cart nine to cart 13 with. I completely disagree. Oh, it was frustrating to me because then the rest of the movie, they're completely fighting the zombies and it's like they lost that bravado all of the sudden i completely disagree i feel like they actually made that scene somewhat believable like believable enough where it was not like stylized action it's not like kung fu like kicking zombies in the head and you know they were like reasonably fresh they they weren't like they also weren't like suddenly expert boxers or anything you know they're like trying to toss them to the side and they don't die and like they're they're trying to keep up that energy and they they really don't like fight the zombies very much throughout the rest of the film like that that is really the only time so that completely sold it for me and and i definitely like agree that i i liked that they weren't just you know, like, punching through their heads or anything like that. That would have been way too much for me. And, you know, I like that they were throwing them off to the side. My only real issue, I think, with that scene more than anything else was that, one, it just felt like a very different movie at that point than what we had seen previously and kind of what came later. And also that it seemed to be that as soon as they got past a zombie, the zombie was no longer a threat, which kind of bugged me. (laughs) That's where I got the... um the dude feels again where I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going, I'm going, let's do this. You know, it's like, I knew that that was what, you know, they were going to wrap it up. And I, I, I know that scene and I really, I guess what I loved about it is not that, um, is not that they were doing it and how that was done. I thought that the filming of it was really done well. And I, I take all your points. What I really enjoyed about it was that that was their hill to climb and they kind of as a you know vet it's like all right that's what we have to do okay let's do it it's like how are we going to do it i don't know how do you kill them i don't know like all right let's go you know embrace the suck let's go and i can i can appreciate that sentiment and i think i i would just send my friend bane (laughs) who's about six foot six about He's got to be about 340 right now. This guy is just absolutely way too fat for his own good. But I would just literally like send him forward. And and I would just, I would be behind him pushing. And because, you know, I, and I just hope my hand didn't go in too far. And, you know, and then I would just like throw things off to the side when, you know. And I just, I, I that was, a, that's a dude, that's a dude moment for me where I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward, and 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 yeah, like I, I think some of the action where he's like breaking their arms and stuff like that is a little, you know, it's like kind of, eh. but 
that's uh, I do have uh, to right, point I do have to point out though that like this man hates anything not logical <laughs> anything I I have to hear about it all the time when we watch Westworld oh, he almost lost Christ. his shit so uh, oh. it 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 is a testament to how good a movie it is if this one is not bothered by a lot of the inconsistencies well then maybe let's move into what we would rate it then where you were able to put some of those logic um i don't even know what to call them let's just rate it i lost my words <laughs> the rating scale again so it's a, a scale of one to ten and so we have two categories we have crowns basically which is how good the movie is and then screams how scary the movie is so i'll go first i rated it as a six i think it's a good movie don't get me wrong but it takes a lot to convince me that zombies are scary um, I struggle with zombie movies. Um, we had just watched Wreck, um, and we covered that on an earlier episode. And I think that actually hurt my opinion of this movie, because I think it's another foreign zombie movie. And I think it's just done Better. so more scary. So so I think that left kind of some salt in my mouth. So I'm going to give it a six. Nathaniel? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven as far as crowns. I, I really liked the movie, but yeah, there was uh, some... Just some of those cheesy moments were just a little bit too much for me. I would give it, I would give it eight crowns. Although I uh, would only give it like probably about four screams because it it was not particularly scary, but I thought it was very well done. And I think the the fact that it was not scary and more believable made it a better film for me. I also gave it four screams myself. Um, I originally rated it as a three, but after talking it with you guys, a lot of those human factors and the real horror is how people are acting. You know, the monster is the humans, not the zombies. That that bumped it up from a three to a four. <laughs> we convinced you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will give it a, a, a solid eight crowns myself. I think that I'm... I, I'm just taken by it by a lot more. It takes a lot to get me to um, to like a like anywhere uh, like a nine or or a ten. Being able to watch a film multiple times and get more out of it, and just be impressed by the cinematography, like in a in a in this type of a film too, where we're talking about cinematography and we're talking about like the beauty of certain things and like the um the mass amount of budget and, and, and zombies and aspects scares definitely lower on the uh, four to five. Maybe I, I wouldn't consider it scary. It would be much more um, kind of thriller esque and much more actiony in that way than an actual scare. Especially, I think we're also, you know, we're, we're going through a pandemic right now. So we're like, ah, ah. That kind of stuff, whatever. But um, yeah, I don't think it's. I, I think that some of it is much more on, for me is the physicality of it, which I just appreciate a lot. Makes sense. And then I think I'm the only one who hasn't gone on the screams. I think I gave it a three for screams, just because I just am not scared by zombies anymore. Really, uh, it, it it takes a lot to to have a zombie movie scare me. I think Wreck is pretty much the only series that does that for me. Now, uh, to kind of move into to wrapping up the, the show, one thing we always do uh, before we go is we talk about how we are staying spooky. 
uh, you know, just kind of talk either about a piece of, uh, you know, like a movie or a book or a video game or whatever uh, that that you've recently uh, enjoyed or are currently enjoying. Uh, so I, I can go first. Um, for me, uh, I have been staying spooky lately by reading uh, Grady Hendrix's new book, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. It just barely came out a couple weeks ago. I just finished it yesterday, and I loved it. We've had Grady on the show before and, and you know, have, have talked about how much uh, we like his stuff, but I would say probably his best book so far. Ooh, that is... Uh, my best friend's exorcism changed my life, Nathaniel, so... how i'm staying spooky i have two parts i recently restarted playing the game persona 5 it's an excellent anime inspired game it has a lot to do with kind of the dark twisted evil things that people do behind closed doors and how those can essentially be crimes a lot of times and it's this these group of teenagers who kind of tap into their inner demons and fight these evil manifestations of people. It's really gripping. The art is fantastic. Unfortunately, has a lot of high school play in it. So you're actually going to school and reading books and taking tests. And who wants to do that in a video game? Um, the second thing, I recently watched a film on Amazon. It's a dollar rental called The Sonata. It's a very wonderful piece about a composer who dies and passes on his final sonata to his estranged daughter. Uh, the sonata happens to be very similar to the unsound that you hear in, in stories, and it's essentially this piece of music that summons the Antichrist. And the way that the composer kind of hears the notes to write in this piece of music is he kidnaps children and tortures them and hears the devil seeing these notes in their screams. And that was really terrifying and a, a very dark twist. It's it's not perfect. There's a lot of CGI that I wish wasn't in it, but it does a good job. Awesome. Um, I am currently reading an oldie but a goodie, House of Leaves by Mark Daniel Lewinsky. Nathaniel and this book, you guys, we're going to have a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. God, I love this book. I love this book. I love this book. Um, I love this book. Published oh. in 2000 for all you young folks. That was 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, I have not read many uh, horror books that are that psychologically affecting. Um, I find myself dreaming about it. Because it because of like how it is written in multiple layers with like a person reading the notes of a dead person about a film. Um, it, it is multi-layered that I think really gets inside your head. It is also at times a very dry read and uh, somewhat difficult. So I have been progressing slowly through. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess for me, I, I I've been going a little bit back to some classic stuff. I've been watching some uh, Hitchcock, and and like even like um, like and then way back to like M and and things along those lines, like more historical stuff. And and just because I I'm, I'm such a film buff, 
in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes I get too caught up in the in the in the new reading Doctor Sleep and, and just going back and rereading some Stephen King stuff because uh, some of his stuff is absolutely great and then some of his stuff isn't. We also, in ode to our pandemic, I am making Emily watch the original miniseries The Stand. Um, so ah. we are going through that right now. Problem. Problem. <laughs> the only redeeming factor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Just, that, well, that's where um, I think it was. Uh, uh, Don't fear the reaper. Uh, you know, was the, the first time I ever heard that song, so I, I fell in love with that. And come on, Molly Ringwald's in uh, it. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, Molly Ringwald. What a dame. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I've been trying to go back to classics. All right. Well, that is essentially all we had planned for this episode. Again, thank you guys so much. This has been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been awesome, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we it. don't, you know, it's like we understand, you know, we don't like the movie as much as we do. It's, like, <laughs> uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, we can but still that's, be friends. That's great because we get multiple perspectives on yeah, it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If we all agreed, it would be a boring episode. Yeah. So Dan and Emily, can you just give our listeners one more chance to know where they can find you and your work? Do you want to just media blitz everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it all? Oh, yeah. Uh, so please find us on Instagram at The Zombie Game. We are also, uh, I guess you can stalk us on other social media channels, but we hate them. Yeah. So. It's possible, though. It, it is possible. Yeah. Uh, you can find lots of things online. Yay! <laughs> Please don't send me weird messages. Yeah. Cute. Uh, but Cute. Yeah. I mean... Um... <laughs> but, yeah, uh, besides the military conspiracy theories, you can mainly find us on Instagram yeah. and reach out there for the zombie game. We try to post up a, a lot of artwork and uh you can keep up with our progress there yeah and you can also weird little thing that i did a while back you can find it at the falldude.com if you're just in the mood for watching some guy get beat up by a girl and it's, lit on fire and lit on fire i had a stunt career for a little bit and uh i uh you remember the fall guy uh no no one remembers the fall guy. Uh, it's kind of based on that. Uh, it's based on me getting called to be Kiefer Sutherland's stunt double for uh, for a little bit, and uh, how I uh, and it's just kind of a funny uh, one off. It's a comedy. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. We're also um, we're pretty active on this horror app called Slasher, where we we post more inside stuff. And uh, they've been a really great little horror community that we found that's like pretty open and responsive. So check that out. Downloading it right now. All right. Well, um, I guess since there's nothing uh, left to say, I'll just uh, say stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky, guys. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreamKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash ScreamKings. Stay spooky.